I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We got a fun one for you today. We're going to recap the 151st playing of the Open Championship, seeing the American Brian Harmon dust the field. We got an exciting top 10. We'll talk about how Royal Liverpool held up to the test, as well as other interesting facts from this week. Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Check out our recent reels. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, the boys are back, and we are here to recap the 151st playing of the Open Championship. I don't think it's any surprise to our listeners. This is my favorite event all year. I wait around all year for it, and it's our last major, so then it's always a crazy long six, eight months until the Masters, until we get like the highest level of golf again. This was an interesting one. I think that Hoylake itself, like the course, I was pretty pleased with it. It had a lot of fun variables to it. Uh, weather was like a little bit of a factor there on Sunday. We had the internal out of bounds. We'll get to all that stuff. I think the leaderboard was was definitely a bit of a letdown for everyone because Brian Harmon just ran away with it. I would say I'm not distraught to see Brian Harmon win it. We know that he had an incredible junior, college, even young pro career. This championship kind of just continues to prove to be like the championship anyone can win, and that's what makes it so fun. But we probably would have liked to see his winning margin just be a little bit smaller he won by five or six strokes, and he was up by five after Thursday, or Thursday, Friday. I mean, after Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The viewing wasn't great, but our leaderboard was pretty decent. Uh, I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are, are on Brian Harmon being the championship golfer of the year. Yeah, it's tough when you spend the whole weekend rooting against a guy, <laughs> not for the sake of like who he is as a person, but just because it was so boring i felt bad for him by the end he was he was I mean, up so big good week for him but yeah and you just kept saying all right just make a couple bogeys make this interesting and through the weekend the leaderboard there are a lot of like big, big names big. chasing him you know we saw rom shoot out of his mind saturday vic was up there tom kim made a charge rory as as usual right there in the thick of things and and just no one could could get close enough to him and he just went out there and played target golf didn't make any hardly any mistakes. If he did, he rebounded with an unbelievable comeback birdie. And, you know, it just goes to show the putter fixes a lot of problems. And I think he putted the best out of everybody all week. And so it just made things a lot easier when, when you can just roll putts in versus we saw the chasers like Rory, uh, Cam Young, like just played really well. Tita Green just couldn't make any putts. It's almost, It looked like almost like the greens, guys were struggling reading the greens. And then they just flipped to Brian Harmon making a 30-footer. And I was like, what? There was like a 45-minute point on Sunday when it thought it looked like it could be it could be close. I think he dropped to, I don't know if he dropped to 10, and then Rom got to 7. There was a couple, It was like a three-stroke 
lead at one point and like Harmon had a couple had a bogey like a couple tough approach and it was like oh my god is this the that was when Ron was this plus is the three, moment yeah, that was, was when Ron was plus 360 and I was like I'm taking him he was charging <laughs> and then it was like that was but it was only like and then the next hole he came back and got a birdie though yeah, it was I like think, that one gap I think both Saturday and Sunday like he Harmon started a little shaky like in the first five holes would get like two bogeys and then just be you know unflappable for the rest Can't of the round him. and just Can't <laughs> flap him. He just and he just would rally off at birdie and then any other time he would get a bogey he'd just immediately bounce back with another birdie. It was like you gotta tip your cap to him, but I mean there's no denying it was it was underwhelming and the second major, in my opinion, that's kind of back to back ended a little you know, underwhelming, you know, not a lot of excitement, you know, going into that back nine on the final day. Are you well you got Scheffler and Ron taking the first two majors of the yeah. year? Uh Brooks and Ron. Brooks yeah. Brooks Ron. and Rom. And then you have <laughs> Um, Wyndham. Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, they're good golfers. And Wyndham, maybe he's on his way to stardom. And Brian Harmon, decorated career, great golfer. But I was looking at the past five years of major champions, and this is probably the weakest, like, four major champions we've had in quite some time. I mean, I don't I don't blame, like, Brian Harmon for for what he did this weekend. He was, it was <laughs> If you look back on it, it was extremely impressive. Was when, so every, when everyone, like, couldn't break seven under par, he went out and he was at 12 after three rounds. I mean... He absolutely dominated out there, putting tee to green. He was hitting driver when everyone else was hitting three woods and long irons, and he was more accurate than anyone. Yeah, yeah, but it, that that was the equivalent of Tyler hitting driver when you know Ben hits his five iron off the tee. <laughs> sure, but like I don't like, going back. I don't blame him. I blame the people chasing him. Like no one, no one just made a run to catch him. I mean, Rory had a li- looked like he was gonna make a run, yeah. but then he just couldn't make any putts down the stretch, and he was like five holes behind everyone. Unfortunately, yeah. I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna place a little bit of blame on Mother Nature too. I I think the weather really set up for him to be able to hold a lead a lot easier. Yeah, I don't think. I mean. Sunday, it was pouring down rain at parts, and, you know, that's tough in its own right. But, but the wind wasn't, wasn't blowing at all, and it was really soft, which it basically took high scores out of the equation, especially when you're playing as consistent as he is because he can just, you know, drive it down the middle of the fairway and just plug it in the middle of the green and, and kind of took a lot of those uh, potential hazards out of play. And even like some of the bigger bounces, you might get into link style greens. So Brian Harmon's playing away from most of the pins on the back nine, not to put himself in a tricky spot. And his ball's taking one hop and stopping. Like he's not going to get, you know, when you're playing those link style golf courses, you hit to the wrong side of the green, you got to worry about a carom 20 yards off the green. And he just didn't have to worry about it. But you're right. Hats off to him. He played an unbelievable event. Uh, I want to jump into the T2s here. This is a real fun one for Ken. Um, public enemy number one for Ken. But no. Seb Straka. I want to make a. I want to make a public apology. <laughs> <laughs> you can wait. Do your do your spiel for What you time. you and Saquon both apologizing for what you did to these organizations? You know, I watched I watched Sep a little bit the other uh, over the weekend, and you know, I have to say, I think he's. I think I'm, he's going to be my top five golfer. Oh, now right. you're just going oh. complete 180. That's oh. I spent so much time hating him that I might as well love. <laughs> I him, might baby. love him now. Yeah, I he he really does seem like a. Decent guy. Ken's got a little Stockholm syndrome after watching. Sepsis. Yeah, or <laughs> Austria. What's the capital of Austria? Austrian syndrome. I don't know. Those supposed because he's Austrian. In a game, <laughs> a, a game similar to Brian Harmon, where not too long off the tee, pretty straight, good iron player, puts the lights off the ball. I think you see a lot of these guys on the leaderboard 
are generally good putters, and I think that putting was a big piece to the, the equation this week. Is is uh is Sepp gonna be this is probably a dumb question. Is yes. he Ryder Cup? Is he oh, uh, yeah, Ryder oh, Cup yeah. guy? Is he like top six right now? Is he like he's not he an like auto? 10? Is he like what's his he's it's, he's in it's there? It's a though, weird right? thing for the this week. He's been he's automatically qualifying. It's probably. a weird thing with the European tour or yeah, like the European team because it, it brings in like the DP World Tour and they have to play like a certain amount of those to be like an mm. automatic pick, I think. It, he was yeah, he was kind of on the fringe about a month ago. Just because he's played, he's had good finishes. He's kind of your, you yeah. know, boomer bust mule. He's either playing <laughs> really well or he's missing cuts. And then of course he goes out and wins the John Deere, flirting with a fifty nine, and yeah. then gets a T two here at the Open. And so I, I mean, I think he's a lock at this point. Yeah, he's playing like top fifteen golf in the world right now. I mean, I think Brian Harmon and Sepp Straka are the two people in this top ten that just solidified their spots. On the really? Ryder Cup. You Other than Harman, the fact... You think Harmon's definitely on? Well, I think Harmon's a lock now. Yeah. He's really? like number three. Just how it's weighted. Oh, yeah. And there's just okay. not enough time left, I think, for anyone to pass him. Technically speaking, Sepp is not even in like the top 20 in the European standings because of like how they do it. Because mm-hmm. so he's PGA Tour based. Yeah, so he'd be a captain's pick, but I think he's It'll be pretty much pick. like a almost a lock to be a captain's pick. Uh, another guy coming T2... The guy that Colin picked in a bet which excluded Brian Harmon on Sunday, which I really like those bets. We knew Brian Harmon was running away, <laughs> away with it. Uh, so for top finisher, excluding Brian Harmon, Colin cashes out on this one, but he splits a little bit of his winnings because four guys come T2, but Jason Day. Yeah, yeah he, about him. He played, inc- he played incredible <sighs> the final round. He had, especially on the back nine, I think he had like every single hole, he had a birdie putt from like yep. 20 to 25 feet, it seemed like, and he was burning every single edge. He just couldn't make one, and then he made one on like 16 or 17 to solidify spot t2 but he played he played some great golf considering the conditions he was the only one out there some guys were turning their hats backwards uh <laughs> he took his hat off halfway through and was just playing without a hat on it's kind of cool yeah or shout out but he had a what he had a good two putt on 18 right we're sitting down here watching it and colin knows that day's got a two putt this green to get to get t2 probably at worst and he blew his 30 footer by like a by about four feet and colin was kind of clutching his pearls and bang Right in the back. Well, and then the, the group after him was like Rom and Vic, and both of Rom hits a, like a 30 footer for Birdie that to gets him into T2, I think. And then that cuts into my winnings. And then Vic comes around and hits the next putt from 30 feet to Birdie. And that takes me out of the lead in DraftKings. <laughs> Ben's dad beat me because of that putt. <laughs> so that was just a double whammy for me. And then we also have here in T2 Tom Kim, YTK, right? He's really he's starting to build this resume, really only his second full year. On tour, this is a course that, like it, you know, a lot of these guys on this leaderboard, other than Rory and Rom, who are big ball hitters, it's a course that fit his game. He's straight down the middle. He's a great iron player and a good putter. He potentially had the most impressive performance of the weekend, considering the fact that he had a torn ligament in his ankle. Yeah, there's like images yeah. of him on crutches before and after his round. That's crazy. Tom Kim and Ken both, you know, yeah, grinded out. I think that's just for show. I wonder if right? Tom Kim got an X-ray person. and has like eight fractures in his ankle as well. <laughs> yeah, five different issues. Five <laughs> issues. He was really milking it. He was like, "Yeah, I, I would rather not play. It really hurts." My team told me to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like us talking to Ken. Well, he probably made like four hundred. Yeah, he's probably happy. So yeah, Tom Kim's just him. like, yeah. I don't want to play, but I'll tough through it. I'll do it for five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and then rounding out the T2s, John Rom. You know, the middle of the year for John wasn't super impressive, right? Wins at Augusta, kind of like lets off the gas pedal a little bit, but a good T2 finish here. Heading into the Ryder Cup, I think his game looks pretty darn solid. Did you see that? Um, what do they call the bushes? 
on the, the Gorsh. On Gorsh. Gorsh. Yeah, couldn't get it. Everyone got it. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> when that, would you see that one on Sunday when he went like straight in the Gorsh, but it like landed in this perfect heavenly probably like spot? A, probably like a 30,000 square foot piece of Gorsh, and there's a pathway in the middle, <laughs> yeah. and his ball landed there. And then he got to the green in two and birdied it on yep. the par five. I'm Unbelievable. Like, that is that was that was the point when I when I uh, put a bet in on him because I was like, luck is on his side. <laughs> and it was like the perfect moment, and I was like, okay, yes. If he now he's gonna feel like he's like uh, playing with house money right now. But I mean, he did the best of everyone that just couldn't catch Brian. Harmon so not a bad bet Evelyn was watching a little on Sunday and she's like Brian Harmon is so much smaller than John Rom." Mm-hmm. I'm like yes I mean and John Rom's not <laughs> even that tall but Brian Harmon what's Harmon five six five, yeah. something like that yeah yeah it was funny after the round when they have him as the champion standing next to the silver medalist who's all six eight yeah Lamprecht to South African seven it's the uh Aaron Judge uh Altuve comparison yes, it is. the all-star oh my games God. <clears throat> It was also funny because he goes to, uh, you know, give his, like, winner's speech or whatever, and even the head of the RNA was significantly taller where he fully had to reach above his head to pull down the mic. Yep. To, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, should we talk about Lamprecht for a second? He was the first day leader, right? Right, so he shoots five under, like, the amateur from South six Africa. Eight? Shoots five, yeah, six foot eight, six foot seven, six. shoots five under. I think he's one back after the first round. Proceeds to then hit his ball, like not even remotely on this planet off the tee in round two, shoots eight over and makes the cut on the number. Like, I love that variance. Like, very rarely do you ever see someone with almost the over, uh, like the overnight lead in the clubhouse after round one and make the cut on the number round two. Well, it's funny because Lynx Golf, these guys go out and they're kind of like, we heard about Tiger not hitting his driver. They go out and they try to like play the course how it's set up to them. So they play a lot of three woods, a lot of long irons off the tee. This Lamprecht guy came out and he said, I'm hitting driver. 14 drivers. Every, <laughs> every hole. I don't care where it's going. And it worked out for him the first round, not so much the last three rounds. That's exactly how I approach playing Royal County Down, and I think I shot like 86 or 88. <laughs> you can't hit driver. You have to just suck it up and hit four and five iron down the fairway. Is he like? Is he going to be someone to watch like in the real way? You guys, or is this kind of a lucky? Well, no. Yeah, he's solid. And then you got that the Poltgeier kid, the the like heavier set, like six foot kid that can hit it like three fifty. There's some really good, and then Higo. There's some really good young golf coming out of. South oh, we know Africa. Higo. Higo's being covered. The weird thing about Lamprecht is he's so tall. Uh, one of the commentators pointed out, like his driver isn't actually like the right size for him because the PGA Tour's rules for driver, like he oh, can't wow. have one long enough. That's I think yeah, I think the rules used to be like drivers could be almost up to forty seven inches, and then the PGA Tour and the RNA rolled it back, just trying to protect distance and protect some of these courses, which is super understandable, right? But then you get a six eight guy here who just needs a driver that long to look comfortable, and he's not even trying to chase extra distance, even though he's just naturally long as hell. It should be a percentage of your height if you're above six foot. Well, three. I think if you put a long driver in his hands, though, that's going 400 yards, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it's I mean, going, the, but it's going the far. The physics of it. Oh, man. You can't help how <laughs> that tall. I'll play off his knees or something. Man. I don't know. <laughs> Then we'll just get Brian Harmon like a 42-inch driver. That'll be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll have to be like how tall you are. swing a junior <laughs> set. If you asked me how long my driver was, I would have no idea. Probably 45. Oh, wow. About 250. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into these T6s. 75 straight. <laughs> 75 to the right. Oh, oh, I just got that as a joke. In T6, these guys actually played together on Sunday. The first one's Emiliano Grillo. It's a good one for him. Um, what he won earlier this year down in Fort Worth – he broke the dry spell of something like six to seven years. So kind of back on the map. I remember we talked about Emiliano kind of being like the guy that needs to step up since all those central and South American guys went to live. He's got to be the big name on the PGA tour. And you know, a lot of those guys left. So I think the talent pool is a little bit smaller on the PGA tour. I'll give you that. 
but he's playing some really good golf, and I think he deserves all the praise, and I think he's going to be an icon down there. And then the other one in T6, my boy Rory. It's, it's a good finish. You know, it, it's just one of those – it's such an anomaly how Rory hasn't won a major at this point. I think he's the – he's 31 under par over the last eight majors and five shots better than Scotty Scheffler, and Scotty's got two, and Rory has none. And Scotty has one. Scotty has one. Rory has none. Some, some, I mean, Sepp Straka has – he does not, but he was on that list of guys that have played are you the okay last. Over there? Yeah, Seth See, doesn't. It just your emotions are taking you over. <laughs> this is actually going to be. This is actually turning into a Rory like therapy podcast for you. Like I think if we put all the segments together of Rory almost winning, you could have like a two hour long. Maybe like Nobel like, Prize winning. Yeah. <laughs> like we could just publish that as a. I mean, yeah, but I, I think if, if he finished second again, though, he would it would have been tough. I was going to comment on on that chart of the guys that have played in the last eight majors. Seps on that chart. And Sepp's something like 40 over par, and Rory's something like 30 under par, and it's just outrageous how Rory hasn't won. But let's talk about his round a little bit. He gets off to a, a really ridiculously hot start. He's something like three under through five. Looks like he's really got the train rolling. He's going to be the guy, him or Rom, make the run down the stretch. Things just kind of fall flat. The 12-footers aren't falling, and, and Brian Harmon is not making any mistakes, so I don't think anyone was going to catch him. I think it was the ninth hole. He was, like, playing 230, and he hit it to, like, 12 feet. Yeah. And you kind of knew he needs to make this to really make a run and give himself a chance on the back nine, and he just burned the edge. Yeah, he did, like, three times. He I mean, yeah. very, very similar to, I mean, St. Andrews, he had the lead last year in the Open, but, you know, just hitting it so well up to the green and just putts just – keep burning the edges and just nothing falls for him, which is kind of his recurring theme when he's not able to get it done here at these majors. It was kind of funny. We were watching and he finishes up and I think what, what was his score to finish up? Six like, under. Six under. And we're like, man, if he would have made three more of those putts, he would have been nine under. Cause like Harmon was on like the 14th hole at this point, And we were all saying like, someone's got to get to nine iron, put some pressure on, which ended up being an irrelevant three number. Three shots short, right? Yeah. But at that point we were just like talking ourselves into, man, if Rory could have just made one or two more of those putts, he would have been right there. But it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. And, and it crowd, would have been the same story. The crowd wanted Roy to win so bad, too. You could tell everyone's just like... They wanted Tommy more than yeah, anybody. Tommy, well, Tommy Ladd. But <laughs> Tommy Ladd. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird to me, like, how you look at Rory and you look at Scotty. I know this wasn't his best week, but, like, it's clearly, like, the putter has been the issue, like, aggressively. Like, they're the two best golfers in the world, and they just can't make a 15-foot putt. Whereas, you know, everyone behind them is, you know, they're not going to be anywhere near them with like their approach to green and everywhere else, but they're draining the putts. I like, I don't understand what's going on there. Like why, why can't they knock you, it? Like I know it's hard to make those. I can't make a putt, but you, you probably could have done this every day, but I remember seeing a, a tweet after Thursday where it was like, here are the putts Rory missed today. It was like four feet, five feet, five feet, six feet, eight feet, 10 feet. And it's like, if he just makes half those, which is probably average. I mean, he's four or five strokes better on one day. Sounds like league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no snake for Rory. What, Yeah, were they playing snake? Yeah, this? probably no snake. Yeah, there's something about when you're watching Rory putt, you can, it's like halfway, when the putt's halfway to the hole, you can kind of tell if it's going in or not, if it has enough speed. It's like when the balls are just barely getting to the front edge, they almost never go in, but when they look like they're going to roll two or three feet by, bang, right in the back. So I don't, it must be a little bit of a confidence thing. In my mind, it's an aggregate thing. Like I think he needs to putt a little better all four days. And it's very easy to, like, take a microscope to round four. But I think if you look at all four rounds, right, it's just six more putts for Rory over four days. That's just one or two a day. So, so Ben, as the Roar's truther here, how do you grade his major season? So he misses the cut at the Masters, and then he's con in contention at the other three. Like, is it, a, is it a solid grade because he was right around the hunt, or is it not because he's, you know, continuing 
that drought because it's now going to be full 10 years since he won a major. Yeah, I don't think the drought is going to weigh any any hev- any more heavily on him. I think he's just accepted the fact that, it, like I said, it feels like a statistical anomaly. He hasn't won in the past eight years, nine years now. And I would give his major performances this year like a B- minus and, and maybe not a B-plus just because of how badly he played at Augusta. But I think this train is headed in the right direction. You're right. With Rory and Scotty, there's just something mentally going on with the putting where the putts just aren't dropping because although Rom is hitting the ball out of this world as well, it's pretty easy to see that Rory and Scotty are just hitting tee to green probably better than we've seen in the past 10 years maybe since kind of the Tiger era. So, yeah, I would give him a, a B-, minus, but I think next year, I mean, the thing with Rory and the way he's hitting it, same way with Scotty. And, and similarly with Rom, it's just like, I could see any of those guys literally winning like all four majors in a year with how they're hitting it. It's just got to get the putter in a world where you're making your tour average putting. Let's jump into these T8s. Uh, a big name we saw on the leaderboard, kind of talked about a few weeks ago, wasn't playing the best golf. He's turning it on here toward the end of the season, trying to get on that Ryder Cup team. But how about Cam Young? This was great to see it. I mean, this was the Cam Young that we expected after you know his rookie season where he was great in pretty much all the majors. Almost, you know, was right there at the Open last year. And you finally saw him kind of find that little bit of that form, you know, playing some steady golf and, you know, hitting those, you know, bombs off the tee that were just, you know, dead straight perfect. You know, it was great to see. I hope that, you know, he's going to be able to kind of get a little, get some heat here lately and maybe make the Ryder Cup team. Just because, you know, we had a great time seeing him at the President's Cup. He gave us the the nod of the cap and everything. You know, Tyler's favorite golfer because, he you know, he likes MLB or whatever. But, you know, it was great to see him kind of, Show a little bit of that, what we saw last year. I think for the reasons that Colin Morikawa was so highly touted out of college and early in his career on the tours. But not anymore. Well, no, still in the same conversation as Cam Young. is like, Correct. these guys are elite iron players. Cam Young is an elite iron player, and that's usually probably the steepest learning curve for kids that come out of college. You're playing shorter courses. you got a lot more wedges in. You can make a lot more birdies. But Cam Young's iron game is only getting better I just, it, it's going to be like the top's going to pop off of this bottle and he's just going to start winning in loads of, you know, tournaments. And I'm really excited for where his game's headed. I love watching him play. I think he's got kind of all of the characteristics. Colin mentioned this when we were watching it. I see it a little bit with him. I see it with Rom. is they almost get a little too self-detrimental on the course. They just are constantly complaining about things. And maybe there's just a little bit of a hump there. It, it's like a mild version of Jordan Spieth, one that Whoa. I can handle. Whoa. <laughs> Well, Jordan, I think Jordan's, Jordan has perfected the art of it. Like, Jordan's perfected the art of being able to do it and just wipe it away to the next shot. I think Tiger did it, right? Tiger's, like, probably, you know, I might catch some backlash, but, like, one of the biggest babies on the golf course ever, but he puts it all away in compartmentalizes The LeBron of golf. He compartmentalizes it before the next shot, and I think that Jordan does that better than anyone. I just see Cam Young, it kind of seems like it's lingering. His shoulders start to drop a little. Cam Young doesn't smile. He needs to smile more. Yeah, it doesn't look that I happy. I just scrolled down into Google Images and got to like 35 before one of his amateur <laughs> tournaments of him smiling. <laughs> all trophy. I don't I don't think he made a putt all weekend. I mean, <laughs> nope. he played like unconscious and easily could have won this thing if he could have gotten anything to drop. And yeah, every single hole, he's like, you know, looking up at the heavens or, you know, hands on his knees slunched over because he missed another short birdie putt. It, it's it's hard to watch. It's just like that classic argument. Like a putt has to go in. It has to have two things going on. It's like good line and good speed. Like a lot of these times, Cam Young will hit a great putt and it's got a perfect line, but he just hit it too hard or hit it too soft. And it seems like one of the big themes of the year. Maybe we should look at this. I post all these majors and look at the like data of it all like next week or the next couple weeks 
weeks, it's like either guys can drive really well or putt really well, but nothing in between. Like, what's causing that? And what, maybe we're just overgeneralizing, but maybe that's something we should actually look that's into. That's the golf gods. If, if one part of your game is working really well, the other, some other part has to not be working. Yeah, but, like, it seems like it, more than ever, that's, like, what we're talking about. But it's like you know. only you only have so much time to work on things. Like, golf is such mm. a multifaceted sport. I mean, look at Jordan when he was struggling. It was almost like he was when he first, like, came out on tour and was hot. He would make everything. He did the thing where he didn't even look at the ball and he was putting it in the hole. Mm-hmm. And then he really focused on his driving, his irons, and he kind of lost track of his putting. And when he went away and struggled for like a year or two, it's because he couldn't putt anymore. And now he's kind of getting back into it. And I think that's why you saw like Tiger have so much success if you ever like seen like the regimen that he would have of it. Mm-hmm. Like it was a 17 hour straight of golfing. And I don't think anyone has that same level where they're touching every piece of their game three times a day. I think there's also something to be said about like Tiger's pre-round putting routine where he does a lot of putts with like one hand and he does a lot of putts with like a two T gate to make sure he's hitting it in the middle of the face. And it feels very much like he's not worried about the result of the putt and he's more worried about the feel of the putt. And I think these guys will sit down and practice at 10 footer until the lights turn out, just trying to perfect their stroke and make sure the ball goes in the hole. But I think that Tiger wasn't, he wanted the ball to go in the hole, but he wasn't obsessed with the ball going in the hole. He's obsessed with making the right stroke, hitting it at the right speed, hitting the right line, and then they'll go in more often than not. Yeah, I think I've heard it a few times in the, you know from various, whether it's pros or um, coaches, whatever, like how it's like putting is not about actually like making the putt. It's about putting it within, you know, this you know, little circle because it's so finite. You know, they're, these guys are never hitting an actual, actual like straight putt. But if you, you know, they're leaving it within a foot of the hole every time, which I think is probably the method Tiger used more than anything. The ball happens to go in. Yeah. It's almost like he's not even, the it's, hole is irrelevant. He's just ro- trying to roll it over that spot and it goes in. Yeah. These guys get, they just get so obsessed with trying to make it. And I don't know. Maybe that's, we're definitely in a world right now where like, this is probably the worst golf has been putting in quite some time, right? Late 90s, early thousands. Guys were really good putters because they had to make up for it because of other deficiencies in their game. We have so many like, stud ball strikers nowadays that are top of the game scotty rory rom jordan xander jt like these guys are all incredible at almost every facet of the of the game and then their putters can just get ice cold i really enjoyed watching the pros putt this week specifically because they kept saying on the broadcast the greens are slower than what these guys are used to i think the stimp was running at 10 10 and a half and that allowed these guys to get like way more aggressive than they typically would but by doing that, they're, like, blowing it past the hole and leaving yeah. themselves, like, four, five, six feet coming back for par. And that happened, seemed to happen a lot more than we're used to watching the pros play. Isn't it funny, too, where they say these are slow greens and these are probably faster than the greens we play on? Yeah. And the pros are, like, they feel like they have to absolutely hammer it. I can't imagine how we would look on greens, like, tour level. I would come up short on everything. What's our stamp? What's the stamp at Musket? Probably like not probably like nine, and these were tens, and they thought these were extremely slow. I don't know. They had those What's things running over ten when it was dry. When they were yeah. there, yeah. yeah. a few months ago. Can I walk into the clubhouse this Thursday at Maryland Nationals? Hey, what's the stimp at? I asked three things. What's the course record? Where's the first team? What's, what's the stimp? stimp? <laughs> what does stimp stand for, Ken? Still, 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 putting. All right, let's talk about this last one, T.H. Shubanka Sharma, man. What a blast from the past. I'm not even sure how old this guy is. I think he's in his 30s. He's been around for a while. Old. I don't know, Indian golf. Well, we lost Anurban Lahiri to live, and then now you got Shubanka Sharma. Aditi Ashok is really good on the women's side, but I don't know. This is a pretty cool finish for him. It's a big paycheck for him. 
You got to believe this is this is huge for him. I don't know if he plays on the PGA Tour or the DP World, but I haven't seen his name in forever. He, he plays on the my uh, my research here. He plays on the DP World Tour and misses about every other cut. <laughs> so this is a big anomaly. So yeah, it's life changing. It was his birthday on Saturday. And um. He got a triple bogey. On 17. <laughs> happy, happy, happy birthday! birthday. <laughs> All right, let's look at these T tens. Tommy Fleetwood. Right, the hometown kid grew up in Liverpool, what, half an hour away from where this course is. Actually, another guy in this T10 is actually the real hometown kid, but Tommy's the biggest, best golfer from close to Hoylake. Had a great round one, round two. Just couldn't quite get it done on the weekend. <coughs> Once again, putter went kind of cold, and Tommy has been putting the lights off the ball this year, probably top five in the world in putting. Uh, what do you guys think about Tommy's performance? Uh, it, it looks so promising to start. Cause when he started, what, five under on the yeah. first day? You know, it looked like, oh, okay, maybe Tommy's going to have that you know, finally breakthrough because he's one of those guys that still doesn't have his PGA Tour win, period. Or a major. Like or a yeah, major. Just he doesn't, DP have, he doesn't have anything. Just on the T- DP World Tour, it looks so good. And then for the next three days, I think he went one over yep. uh, over the course of the next three days. It was really – it was sad. You could see it, you know, in his face. You know, looking at like he, he wanted this one, like, a little more extra. Um, but I mean, it, it does still feel like it's inevitable. Some at some point he's gonna have to break through, whether it's in a major or just a regular event. You know, it, it's got to be coming. I mean, he's putting himself consistently in these positions to win, and just hasn't get gotten it done. And you know, you wonder if you know more chances means a better better opportunity to finally get the win, or if it's look at just like a snowball. Every time he doesn't get it done, every time he kind of folds on the weekends, <laughs> is it that much harder for them to? for him to then like kind of push through and finally win something. Well, he's probably at that point where Rory was three years ago. So it, it might be a little bit more of an uphill climb for Tommy. I think Rory's finally gotten to that place where like, it finally seems like he's not carrying around the baggage. He's just going out there and playing golf and just so comes that, you know, his Sunday just didn't surmount to what he'd hoped it would be. But Tommy might have, you know, he's in that conversation of like, but he's definitely the, you know, he's top five best player without a PGA tour win, maybe top 10 currently without a major. It's going to start to build on him a little bit, but uh, this is probably his best chance. This is the type of golf that fits his game the best. He's kind of a, the cut, the sawed off swing with the irons. He's a good putter. Uh, he'll get it done one day. I think he has another mantle. You know what that is? What? I think he's the coolest golfer. He is pretty, I like I think, him I think I was thinking about this the other day. I think if you're sitting in a, you're sitting in the pub afterwards, you who's sitting on the bench, you want, or the, not the bench, sorry. I'm just botching this now. <laughs> who's sitting who's in the cart? Who's, who's sit- sitting in the cart? Who's sitting at the bar having a beer? You want to talk to? I think. It, I think it's like fandom aside. I think Tommy Fleetwood is like the coolest golfer. I think I'd say Scotty, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Tom- just saying. I heard Tommy. Yeah. I think has Tommy's the cool- Scotty's grandma. Oh, I'm I down think for it's Tommy. Cool- I, who? Who's like? Is there maybe Shane we can do Lowry? This. Honorable Shane, mention. Shane, Shane Lowry might be up there. Well, if, if you're in a kind of a UK European environment, they have a one up, obviously, because they know the know the area. But I think there's. He's definitely top three. I don't know if we can come up with any others. But. Did you see when Rory last won, he went over to his wife and daughter and gave the wife a hug and went to give his daughter a hug, and the, his daughter goes, where's Tommy? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> People of all ages like him. Heartthrob, apparently. He also like is really good with interacting with the fans. Like I think he signs a lot of autographs, and I heard that his caddy, they had some story on this on like Friday, that his caddy told him before this tournament, like, hey, you got to like cut back on that and do this, <laughs> do this for yourself. Like go out there and like play golf and, and be like a little selfish out there because you do all these media obligations. You do all these, sign all these autographs, but like you just got to go out there and focus and do this for you, not anybody else, which I 
thought was an interesting perspective. I've seen Rory do that a lot more over the past couple of years, like almost like purposefully not giving high fives during the round and maybe after the round, like he didn't stick around to, to congratulate Wyndham Clark. Like he, it seems like he's playing a lot more for him. And I think Tommy will take that step as well. He did make sure to congratulate um, or not congratulate Bobby McIntyre though. So that was good. Yeah, I said, sorry. <laughs> sorry, bud. Uh, okay, so then another local boy, like we said, Matthew Jordan, not a name we know very well, still pretty young, but Hoylake is his home course. I, I was the one that stayed up till 1.30 in the morning on Thursday and caught the beginning coverage, and he was one of the first groups off. The kid's game's really solid. I mean, you could tell he really knew this course well, uh, but a T10 and a major, and that gets him into next year's Open, so he can kind nice. of he can kind of play like, you know, with the house money a little bit. Uh, try and get some wins this year on tour. He knows he's got an open to look forward to next year at Troon, Royal Troon. And then rounding out the top 10s, his first top 10 in a major, which felt anticlimactic because for him, I'm sure he just wants to win. Wow, really? But first top yeah, 10? Max Helma's first he's top won. 10 in a major. His major track wow. record is not great, Ken. It's, wow. it's, it's, it's an important step for him, right? LACC was such an interesting one for Max because he's not a hometown cool. kid playing good golf. He was one of the top five betting favorites. Did he miss the? I don't know if he missed the cut. Yeah, but and then he was he drinking rosé on yeah. Saturday yeah. Yeah. With, with JT. With JT. Who also, yeah. was a disappointment. Well, he didn't even talk about JT. Yeah. So yeah, Max. I mean, people have been and continue to talk about how terrible he <laughs> is at majors. And it has been true. And he's the first to admit that. I think he said in his press conference, I think he said, like, I fucking suck at majors. Yeah. And he's well aware. Everyone he goes to, he knows he's got that extra pressure on him. And he said, like, he just plays so tight and is, you know, off his normal game. And so I think he said this week he tried to play a little more free and play his, you know, typical golf and and not think too much about the fact that it's a major. And, and here it is paid off, and hopefully it's – something he can kind of continue to build on and, and uh, keep knocking in these top tens at majors and, and get closer. He definitely feels like one of the guys that would benefit from, you know, a cocktail or two before the round, <laughs> yeah. you know, at, at the majors. It's like, it's just a little, he's, like you said, he's very tense. He's like you said, he said it, he said as much, like there's something else about this. I'm thinking too much, you know, probably something maybe we see with Rory when he's at Augusta, like the same kind of thing. There's just so much pressure there. Because at this point, you know, he's accomplished everything else. He's made his international team. I got to imagine he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team, even though, like, he had a, you know, a little bit of a down tick, relatively speaking, in the middle of the year. You know, that's that's his own, that's his last hurdle is a major championship. And it's just he's so hyper-focused on it. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get past, I got to imagine. And I think the pressure never really goes away. And I think that most of the great golfers understand that. Like, kind of experience? No, I'm saying... If you were a great golfer, you might understand this. <laughs> but I talked to you. Could imagine maybe if one you were. day. Pal. I think similarly, when I think about like Rory McIlroy and Cam Young's putting and how they just try too hard, I think that was kind of Max's story. Is that he just he tried too hard at the majors? He didn't like let it come naturally to him when he has plenty of game. So I think he'll start to mature. He'll just show up at these majors and say, "This is the game I got today. Let's just go out and try it, and make the best score." And I think that that's going to work for him. All right, that rounds out our leaderboard. Let's talk a little bit about this course. Uh, I would say coming into this, certainly knew about Royal Liverpool, Hoylake as they call it, but I didn't know much about the course. I know how important it was in the history of English golf because most of the courses are Scottish. But the course itself presented some really interesting dynamics. We had internal out-of-bounds on two holes, which I think that golf world is a bit split whether they like internal out-of-bounds. I think it proved to be pretty fun. Uh, but the third hole, right out-of-bounds right off the tee, and then 18, you pretty much had it five yards off the fairway all the way up. That hole proved to be extremely difficult. I think we probably only saw a handful of eagles 
on that par five, which is pretty rare. What were you guys' thoughts on the internal out-of-bounds? I loved the internal out-of-bounds. I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, the 18, 17, all those, like how it was, it, it kind of left that lingering hope that any given shot, Brian Harmon could have blown up on those two holes at the mm-hmm. very end. It kind of left a little bit of a window where you may see someone come back. Like it just gave a little bit of hope for these guys that, you know, in most links golf, it basically isn't out of bounds unless you're actually off the course. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, you know, wide open, relatively speaking. And, you know, I, I like that flexibility, that little extra challenge that it added. How far left were guys going off of 18T knowing that OB was pretty close, right? I mean, I'm talking about 80, 90 yard duck hooks left of that fairway just to make sure they had a chance to lay up on that par five. Anytime you see these guys like, whining about a course <laughs> setup you know that's a great feature i i loved it like tully's saying i mean don't hit it right don't hit it out of bounds i mean these guys play these courses where there's really no penalty where you hit your drives generally speaking so 18 is a prime example just hit it left if you don't have confidence that you can hit it straight play it down one's fairway instead of like oh i missed it right and that's so stupid this isn't out internal out of bounds it's like that's life i will say i thought the internal OB on 18 it became more of a factor this week than I thought it would I thought number three was going to be the hole where you would see all the big scores and people in out of bounds but I guess that turned into just guys laying up and hitting a longer iron they just hit green, iron to the corner also they, they put the pin like they put the pin on the right side of the green the first day but I don't think they put it back there like the rest of the time which I thought was a little dumb and that would have been the only place because when that pin was left guarded by those bunkers we saw JT and Rory in rounds Two or three, both have nightmares there. Probably round we didn't two. See JT JT, yeah. three. They had nightmares there. So where they put the pin on eighteen was crazy. But I would say I'm just it genuinely makes me happy when you see pros like internally contemplate out of bounds as much as we do. Like we net we when we know out of bounds is on a side of a hole, we're aiming so far to the other side, un, even unintentionally at times. And seeing some of these tee shots go so far left on that hole, it's not a coincidence. It's like they know they don't want to go out of bounds. I'd almost want to see them like start putting this on all courses. Yeah. Like, it, it obviously combats you know a big chunk of the distance issue that they <laughs> yeah. bring up because we saw them people just they don't take on the you know the with a driver they lay up to a you know smart spot maybe how the course was originally designed based off the you know, the distance things. So I, I think it's a this is to me a much better way to combat that issue than something like, you know, bringing the ball back or anything like I, that. I love the the kind of story they told on Friday because I think the wind was blowing out of bounds on 18. And it became, you either lay up and take your par and really not give yourself a good look at uh, birdie, or you hit driver and remain confident with it. We saw Cam Smith stick one, make eagle to make the cut. So if you go for it and you hit one in play, you're going to get rewarded. Versus just banging it wherever you want and you're in the same position as everybody else. Also loved that the drop zone left on 18 so you couldn't grandstand it was just dropping in like <laughs> six inch rough. Yeah. That was incredible. That's how all the TIOs <laughs> That was incredible. All right, so then another interesting intricacy at Royal Liverpool was that par 317th, which I think was a new hole this year, only played somewhere between 120 and 140. Not the most intimidating looking par 3. Definitely water off or wind off of the water. But we saw some big numbers there, and we saw specifically Matt Fitzpatrick publicly complain about how it's a stupid hole because he happened to, like, triple bogey it, but no one else complained about it. What did you guys think of that one? That's another one I, I thought it was great. Like, I mean, it, it is really was only penalizing if you went, like, really long. 
Like, if you went over the green, you were stuck in that. There's, like, grass yeah. that doesn't look native to the area back there. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, and it's, like, fluffy beach sand, like, that you, like, can't get, you know. It's got, like, anything. giant footprints in it. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was not, yeah, it wasn't an actual bunker. It was the definition of, like, a waste area sort of situation. It, but it almost looks like an, like an infinity green, like, a, you're at yeah. a pool, sort of, it just kind of, like, drops off, and you can't even tell that it's doing. It looks like you're going right into the ocean or the, uh, est- the estuary or whatever it's called. But I, I think is of you put that back pin, you give them the option to really go for it. It's that again that risk reward. You can play for a par, or you can try to make your move. I thought it was a great way to like add that extra challenge on a hundred and forty yard hole. And we saw Tommy get bit by it. Yeah. And that was an amazing moment when to, when Tommy literally had to hit the ball like eight yards out sideways <laughs> and then take his next pitch in. Like he had no other shot. That's a lot of fun to watch those guys hit those kinds of shots. Uh, I think we were a little robbed of what the potential of that hole could have been with the with the, the, with the yeah. weather on the yeah. weekends because it's supposed to be you got to land your ball in the right spot and roll it up because the greens would have been firm. But because of so much rain, I mean, it looked almost too easy for these guys. I mean, yeah, we saw some couple big scores, but we didn't see what we were expecting to coming into the week that like you miss your spot by a yard and you're rolling all the way down and then you're going to have to come back over and you could go too long and do the same thing. And so with it just being so uh, soft, I think it just made it a little bit easier than what it could have been. Oh my God. 30 mile an hour headwind into that hole, firm greens, 120 yards. You're probably hitting like a little tiny nine iron, hoping to land it on the front. You're right. We think scoring average in that hole was just a shade over par at like 3.2. And that was mostly just because we had like quite a few like or probably half a dozen like triple quad bogeys, but everyone else pretty much parted. But with wind and firm greens, I'm thinking that thing would have played closer to four. So then, right, we know the open for these pot bunkers. We don't always see them. Like St. Andrews doesn't have a ton of them. There's a couple, but most of the time the guys avoid them. They're pretty unavoidable at this course. Like for the most part, like when Tiger won, he didn't hit into any, right? Kind of an anomaly. I think Brian Harmon avoided them and ended up winning. But boy, we saw some balls. It didn't matter if they went in fast, if they went in slow, they're against the back lip, the front lip. You can't even get these things out. What do you guys think about those things? It was one of the first times that I actually remember seeing guys like actually not know what to do. Was I think it was was it Cam Young on Sunday where his like leg was hanging out the back and yeah. he didn't know how he tried. He stood there for like three minutes trying to figure out do I have both feet in, bat, and then he ended up just duffing it right in the sand yeah. again. And it's like it actually was kind of for me. It was kind of entertaining to see even if some of the placements a little unfair to see them kind of struggle with that just because it's very relatable because I've been struggling out of the bunkers a lot. I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't commit to my bunker game. I Love just that. pick it out like an idiot. But uh, it was kind of fun to watch. I don't know. I mean, even if it was, I felt like it was a little unfair at times, but hey, it's I guess it's risk reward, right? When was the last time you saw anyone putt in the bunker to, to the middle of the bunker <laughs> yeah, just so they can have a shot? Like, yeah. Tony Finau to do that on Thursday. That's something I've never seen on yeah. tour before. I, and I love that though, but it, that's the whole point of the bunkers. Is they're supposed to be penalizing, and I get it. Yeah, the, they are extremely steep. You know, there's not much room, but like, don't hit it there. Like, it's the point of it. That's why it's there. It's a hazard by all counts. So, like, I love that. I think Colin was pointed out like that they actually the RNA they went ahead and changed them. They made them easier. They put after more Thursday. They put more sand in them to run it up higher on the mm-hmm. riveted face so that it, you wouldn't get. As high of a face to hit over, which I think is cowardice. Then you, yeah. te- you text us, you're like, "This is stupid." It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, like well, I, I think that was just ridiculous. Cow- like, that, isn't that the point? Like, keep it challenging, keep it, leave that opportunity for someone to blow up, have a tough hold, and then keep the competitiveness there. You know, someone to come back to the pack, whatever it is. Uh, like, I would have loved to see them. 
go ahead, make it harder. After they complain, just make it even Especially harder. Especially when you have someone with a five-shot lead heading into the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that contrary to that, they stacked the deck against Yeah. Them. Well, I think they knew that. <laughs> Bulldog I, in honestly, the internet. <laughs> honestly, I think I'd, I'd argue the contrary to that is that they knew Harmon had such a big lead and that he has such good control of his ball. He wasn't going to be hitting in the bunkers. They kind of tried to make it a little easier so the field could catch up, and they still couldn't. It's rigged. But, uh, yeah, so we're talking green side, but I also love the fairway bunkers mm-hmm. because it was a stroke penalty. Yeah. You could not go at these greens. Normally, we see on tour, fairway bunkers are more of an inconvenience than an actual penalty uh-huh. for these guys because it, it, they just make it look so easy. But we saw this week, and it, it seemed less on the weekend. Maybe I just wasn't watching as much, but uh, it, you had to chip out and play in from there, and it, it was truly a penalty. I, I, I also saw that they when they kind of redid this course from when Rory won it, the, the bunkers used to have, like, the slopes would go off of the bunker. So you weren't, guys weren't hitting into them as much. For When they redid this course, they redid all the bunkers. Slope they shifted the slope to go down Jesus back Christ. into the bunker to make it Couldn't hit it within it five yards, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about some of these big disappointments. Quite a few names missed the cut, and not by a small margin. The smallest margin of the guys we're going to talk about is Phil. Phil Mickelson shoots nine over. I kind of was a little surprised by this. I know Phil's not playing the best golf, but it kind of felt like over the past couple of years he had the magic at the majors. It kind of felt like he put his best foot forward, and he hadn't he hadn't really played bad in majors in quite some time. Uh, one in twenty one at Kiowa, like I don't know. I think Phil's game might finally be hitting that tipping point where it's like I don't know if we'll ever see him compete as well as he did at Augusta again. That's just my that's my take. I'm on the side where I'm never really disappointed in anything. Like yeah, Phil's performances, like if he happens to you know catch a hot streak and you know, have a few good days, it's just like exciting, interesting, like from a historical aspect. But like I fully expect him to miss the cut every time he tees it up at a actual uh, golf event versus like one of the live events. Major L for live this week, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cam Smith was really the only one that played decent. Pretty, um, yeah, maybe pretty relevant, 20. right? I mean, that could have been another big kind of uh, cap in the or feather in the cap, but they really. Cap in the feather, baby. The cap. I put some caps in my feathers. It's fine. I think that maybe your game needed to be a little bit more refined for this course. You really had to know exactly where your ball was going, and you might be able to argue that the, the live guy's schedule is so light that they're just not quite as on it. Perhaps this wasn't the course for Phil to be hitting bombs on it. <laughs> I would love to look back and see if Phil just bang driver everywhere. I hope he did. <laughs> I was like, I mean, DJ's on the list here at 13 over. I mean, he went 10 over in one day, right? Was yeah. that? I mean, it just like completely blew up. I mean, gosh. Same with JT. JT actually yeah. shoots uh, one under in his second round and commented how he didn't feel like he played that bad in round one. It's just the course has some crazy teeth, but he shoots 11 over, and he's playing himself out of a Ryder Cup. Yeah, he's, he's, in the, well, he's on the outside looking in of the even the uh, yeah. Yeah. playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I think so. He's playing in the Wyndham. He's playing the 3M this week, and then the Wyndham next week. He's committed to both of them. He'll make the Ryder. The, he's still, he's still pretty confident that he says, I just need to put a good month together here, and I think ZJ will pick me. But I don't know, man. His game's pretty uninspiring right now. He's he's playing to make it a tough decision. He exactly. should he came into this absolute lock. But when you're shooting 80s, like his first round was in the 80s, then it's like how are we going to bring you to Rome? Like what what are we going to get from you? Like what if you continue playing that bad? And and so it'll be uh, interesting to, to see how to uh, if he's able to pick up any steam here with these uh, mule events coming up over the next couple of weeks. If you asked me 12 months ago. 
And you said, all right, Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon are going to be locks for the Ryder Cup, but JT's going to be outside looking at it. I was like, you're crazy. There's absolutely no way that JT's down the Ryder Cup. Even if he misses eh. the cut of these two tournaments, he's still going to be a captain. Oh, I think no. for sure he's I out. think he's getting no. picked. No. I think he's getting picked. 100% sure. he's getting picked. He'll show up as an assistant captain no. and just he's, ride around in the no car. There's no first alternate, maybe. No way. He might commentate, actually. No way. He's going to be he's be riding along with Smiley. He's got the Tiger <laughs> tiger connection. It's all good. There's, it's really fine. There's a valuable lesson to be learned here. Like, getting married does nothing but hurt your golf game. <laughs> So, lesson to everybody out there considering it. you got to factor in your golf game when you're making that decision. All right, and then the last of the big disappointments, at least for me it was, is Denny McCarthy. You know, when we talk about the guys on the top of this leaderboard kind of hitting it straight, being decent iron players, and then rolling the ball well, Denny McCarthy would have been pretty high on my list for those key attributes, and he shoots 12 over and misses the cut by a mile. Just an unimpressive week for Denny. Yeah, I mean, this is a big disappointment for, like, the the local fandom. And, like, really, this he needed to kind of go out and show out if he wants to make be one of those Ryder Cup picks. That he's not in the top six, but he was kind of trending in the way of, you know, being in that conversation. And, you know, really, I think he's now outside of the top 15 for Ryder Cup things. So he'd really have to do something special, I think, here in the remaining couple of weeks, which is, you know, disappointing. All right, and then just to round out this episode, I want to talk a little bit about the weather. We alluded to it earlier where, you know, rounds thir- Thursday through Saturday, we didn't have much. We had a little wind. We didn't have any rain. And then we had just a washout on Sunday, but no wind at all, maybe three to five miles an hour. I wanted to ask you guys, would you rather play in pouring down rain or 30-mile-an-hour consistent winds? Rain. Wind. <laughs> you do hit it low, so, you, yeah, you don't mind. Wind, wind. 100%. Rain. I think rain is 10. like the – the automatic answer here. I would. You'd what? rather play in wind. No, I'd rain. say no, wind. rain. Rain. Well, rain also affects the rest of your day. Rain you gotta, is miserable, you gotta, man. You sit out there. <laughs> Fish and, and chips don't go down the same after you're soaking wet. Well, yeah. Wind, at least you can have a decent time. No. You get wind burned. You yeah, get. Yeah. The, yeah, but it, rain, you're just like. You're just no, you're, all of your distances get completely ruined when it's super windy. Well, and I'm talking holistically. I don't care about holistically. Just, oh, you're talking like the full day. Yeah, the full yeah, day. Okay. I well, can bring I can a change buy, of clothes. I could buy the argument there. If we're talking yeah. golf, maybe not. But. <laughs> Most pro golfers are probably thinking about the day as the as a whole. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> talking about grass. I'm talking about you can't sit rain. out back after and have a couple drinks if it's pouring down rain. Yeah, so. but you can sit in a nice cozy pub, warm up by the fire. I mean, it'd be delightful. Well, there's a difference between the 20 mile an hour and 30 mile an hour. Go 30. We're going 30. We're going 30. All right. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm like so s- I'm split here, <laughs> you know. I think that my scores would probably be better in the rain than 30 mile an hour winds, but then like you know you start losing your grip on the club and it feels like your whole game kind of goes haywire. What are you like talking you about? You have your well, caddy have an entire just you know rack of golf clubs. Pro yeah. Yeah. If we're talking golf though, we, we played down in uh, in Hilton Head. That's like the, when there was that wind coming off the beach at like literally 30 miles an hour. It was impossible to even get the ball <laughs> on the thing. So I guess golf is harder in the wind, but I whole day rather rather be. Windy. I'd rather I'd rather it be windy too. Like screw the score. Like I don't want to be soaking wet at that, the end of the day. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm gonna shoot somewhere between 80 and 100. I don't care whether <laughs> what, uh, what it is. Like the wind short. Being out there when it's pouring down rain is miserable. Yeah, you have an excuse for your bad score, but you're miserable. If it's windy, oh. you have an excuse for your bad score, but you're not miserable. Nah, yeah. You have a few drinks, you get the music going, you let Maimon drive a cart, see what happens. You Probably know, doesn't you flip. Some, less you friction. got some excitement <laughs> going on there. Governor, you can have plenty of fun. Fault. Plenty of fun in the in the rain. And like I said, it's just a matter of, oh, you change your clothes at, at the end of the day and then 
the rain doesn't impact you for the rest you of the game. You know, I have a really interesting comment here is that when you're playing in the rain, it's going to be Carpath only. Mm, That's yes. holistic. Very holistic. My whole, whole day's day. ruined when it's Carpath <laughs> only. <laughs> so you earn those drinks after the round a little bit more. Yeah. Because you get 10 little, times little the amount more of exercise. steps. Get mud balls. Mud balls. <laughs> <laughs> Lift clean in place, baby. <laughs> All right, that does it for us here. If you haven't yet, head on over to our Instagram at Big Players Only Pod. Check out our reels. We got new content coming there all the time. We'll see you next week.